Well, hey, good morning, uh, beautiful family. I hope that you're doing well. Merry almost Christmas. We're almost there to that season. And so, hey, I'm praying that your souls are doing well while you watch this. And uh, even if your situation or your circumstance may not be doing very well around you, I pray that's not the reality of your soul because we worship the King who is over our circumstance and his name is Jesus. And so I pray that you would be receiving Jesus in this season and really interacting with him in real uh, and in almost eternal ways, I would even say. And so let us marvel at him who is our peace together this morning. Amen? Amen. All right. So over the past few weeks, we've been journeying through the beginning of the gospel of Luke, and we've been seeing how Christ is our hope. He is our love. He is our joy. And then this week, we're going to look at how he is our peace, not just an idea of those words, but how he is literally those words fulfilled in our lives, that as we have Jesus, we experience joy because he himself is joy. In his presence is the fullness of joy, that as we have Jesus, we have peace because he himself is the Prince of Peace. And so what did the coming of the Messiah, Jesus being born into this world, how did this kind of usher in these Advent words that we focus on? And then how do we anticipate in his second coming where those words will be fulfilled in their completion, how do we do that well, even as we kind of journey through this life? And so if you have your Bibles, grab them. Luke chapter two is where we'll be this morning. And as you're turning there, I wanna give us a reminder of the context of last week. Jesus, he was birthed, and then some shepherds came to behold the son of God, this baby, the promised one that had been promised from generations past. And the shepherds who would actually determine the value of the lamb came to behold the sent lamb of God, and they deemed him as eternally worthy. These shepherds who understood the the costliness of the purified lamb came and said, this is the true one, the Messiah that has come, the lamb of God that will take away the sins of the earth. And that's actually important in our context today. So uh, with that, let's dive into Christ who is our peace. Uh, Luke chapter two, and we're going to begin in verse 21. And I'm gonna have my brother Ryan read that for us. Hi, I'm Ryan Kreider. I'm a covenant member, co-leader of the Windsor Park CG and help lead the student ministry here at church. Today I'll be reading from Luke 2, 21 through 32. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he called Jesus, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for the purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens a womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there is a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolidation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. This is the word of the Lord. 
Thank you, brother. Uh, hey, a little bit of context for our story today. Luke, he's not just sharing some random details about what they were doing and what they were offering, etc. Okay, and so remember, uh, nothing is in the Bible by accident, right? Like God does not make mistakes, and He does not waste His breath. When God says something, everything that He does is beautiful and it is purposeful. That actually includes your life as well. Okay, so every single thing in Scripture is there for a reason, and so the Holy Spirit is. Is calling Luke to write down some of these really important details. And what he's trying to communicate to us is actually really significant if we understand the context of all of that. And so what are these things? Well, there's a couple of them. First of all, we actually see that Jesus was circumcised there. You see in that first verse, this was actually a practice that was initiated by God to show that Israel, God's people, they were set apart, literally cut off from the nations around them. They were different and it was a covenant that God had made. So we see Jesus Jesus being circumcised, and in the next verse, you see that Jesus is then purified as he's being offered in the temple to God. Now, don't read that too quickly, okay? Think about the implications of what is happening here. Like, Jesus is the Holy One of God, right? Jesus, who is God, is being circumcised and being offered in the temple as if he is a sinful man that needs some sort of purification. So Jesus is so identifying with you and with I in his humanity that he is being offered as if he needs to be cleansed rather than showcasing how he needs to cleanse us. And so Jesus is now interacting with us in our humanity in a profound way. Luke is literally trying to mystify us in this passage a little bit that God is being presented to God. I mean, marvel at that. Think about that for a minute, right? Like Jesus, who is just at the right hand of God, just a few months prior to this, is now being offered to God as if God doesn't know who he is. Here's Jesus in the temple being offered back to his father who he just came from not that long before that. It's kind of like planning your own surprise birthday party, right? <laughs> You're like, surprise, I know, okay? Like, and so God knows his son, and yet to fulfill the law, he's being offered to God for purification. And ultimately, when he dies on the cross for our sins, that's when he's truly offered to us for our purification. And so here we see a play that Luke is getting at here. Mary and Joseph, they're also being wildly faithful to fulfill the law here. In the Old Testament, there were actually all these laws about childbirth, and you actually see them doing every one of the laws in the way they're supposed to here. In fact, Luke highlights that for us by mentioning the word law in three consecutive verses there you see on the screen. And so the parents, they're fulfilling the law of God. They're actually foreshadowing what Jesus will ultimately do for us, which is fulfill the law of God. Mary and Joseph are going as forerunners in a sense, just like John the Baptist would for Jesus, and they're fulfilling as much of the law as they can, and yet Jesus will fulfill it in its entirety. And it's really interesting to think about how Jesus purposefully submitted himself to parents who would be faithful to God's word, right? And Jesus still actually submits himself to people who will be faithful to God's word, y'all. That if we are following God's commands, then we can trust that God will give us more and more of himself. He will literally come underneath us and reveal himself to us and allow us to see him as we are faithful to God's word. And so here he is submitting himself to godly parents, but don't miss the mystery of what is really happening here. Like God is not a baby, 
right? God is being placed under his own spoken law, like the thing that he himself initiated for sinful people, he is now placing himself under and beginning to fulfill it. He is actually in this moment dependent on his mother and his father to help him fulfill the law, just as they would one day be dependent on him to help them fulfill the law and the parts that they could not keep. That's a little nugget right there, by the way, okay? Chick-fil-A is open on Sunday, it's all right. Uh, Now, listen, Jesus, okay, he actually would have been 33 days old in this story uh, because according to Leviticus 12, this is when you are to present the firstborn male to the Lord. And so really astounding things are happening to this one-month-old at this moment, even as we just sang about the long-expected Jesus in his infancy, he's actually beginning to bring this beauty to humanity. First of all, 33 days is significant because Jesus would actually live for 33 years, and on his 33rd year would be offered for purification on our behalf. And so you see some foreshadowing happening here. But secondly, though, women, according to Leviticus, they were actually unclean after they gave birth because bleeding would occur. And so nothing that isn't healed or that isn't pure or that isn't perfect, in a sense, would actually be allowed into the temple, hence that phrase, their purification. It's not just Christ as being offered here, but Mary is offering herself as well. And so this was actually, this law was initiated that was medically beneficial for women, that they would not, uh, you know, contract viruses and things like that in the Old Testament times. But it was also a sign of holiness before God, that only those who were healed, only those who were whole could actually come before God. And so the purification moment in Leviticus 12 was both for the child and for the mother, both literally as a help, but also as a sign of who can come before God, which means, y'all, think about this, Mary, according to the law up until this point, was actually impure. She was not purified before God. She isn't even allowed into the temple, and yet she is holding, touching, breastfeeding the Holy One of God. Like, don't miss the reality of what's happening here or so paint a picture that is beautiful and pure and spotless that you're missing the reality of the context here, right? Like, she, into this day, shouldn't have even been allowed to enter into the temple, and yet here she is holding the true temple of God. In fact, she was carrying in her womb the temple of God, right? Like, I don't see enough reaction right now, right? Like, that's like praise dance worthy in here, okay? Listen, while she was literally unclean and bleeding at that moment, she was holding the one who would eventually become unclean and bleed for her. Wow. Bruh. Right? Praise God. This is a foreshadow of what Jesus will ultimately do. And Mary is showing us a picture of God's faithfulness to us in this very moment. In fact, if you remember a few weeks ago, we talked about holiness. And most of us, we kind of think of holiness as something that you can't go into the presence of, that you can't touch. It is too clean for you, so you stay away from it. But Jesus gives us a different type of holiness. He doesn't become unclean, but when the leper touches him, the leper becomes clean. And so even in this moment, we see a different sort of holiness that we do not make him dirty. He actually makes us clean. And so even 
even though by the law, Mary should not be able to touch the Holy One of God. Here she is holding him, caring for him, being purified herself as she is offering Jesus as purification for herself in this moment. There's this mystery of the gospel that's happening in this moment. In other words, his holiness isn't diluted because of our sin, y'all. He cleanses us is what the message is here. Christ brings cleansing to us. And in a sense, we actually see Jesus already willing to enter into our sin to deliver us, to bring us peace, just as he's doing for his mother Mary at this moment. More on that in a second, okay? But thirdly, Notice how Mary and Joseph, how they actually purified Jesus. They actually went into the temple and they brought two turtle doves and a partridge. Okay, right? You catch that there is a pair of turtle doves, okay? You ain't know that's what that song was about, did you? Okay, no. In Leviticus 12, this is actually an acceptable offering, but it was only acceptable if you were poor, okay? Which actually says something very important about Jesus that he is willing to be born into poverty. For one, that says to us that if you are poor, you are not worse off, family of God, okay? There is dignity in you, just as there was perfect dignity in Christ. Though he did not have earthly riches, there was something way more significant to him, and the same is true with us, family of God, okay? In fact, maybe you are able to better behold and better appreciate Christ because you're actually relating with him in his humanity far better than you are if you are rich. And so here is Christ purposefully entering into human poverty. Our Savior is not the lofty one that demands respect from us. He's actually the humble one that is proving even in his birth that he is willing to give himself fully to us. He leaves the riches of heaven and comes down into utter poverty here on earth that we who are in poverty might one day be rich forever in him, family of God. This is good news for our souls. And in the law, though, you were actually to bring a lamb if you were rich and a turtle dove if you were poor. So they were poor, only bringing two turtle doves, sort of, right? Though they had no lamb to offer, they actually brought into the temple the true lamb of God that it had been waiting for. Remember, this is the one that the shepherds just anointed right before the story, right? Like four weeks prior, the shepherds came and said, this is the lamb of God. This is the pure and the spotless lamb. And so even though Mary and Joseph were physically poor, they were a family of God, spiritually rich because they brought the richest present that was ever presented to God himself, They brought God to God, and they offered that up to God, creating purity and foreshadowing how he would purify all of us one day. There's so many gospel points in here, okay? I'm trying not to get ahead of myself, right? But now we all may say, okay, hey, this is cool. Like, I'm seeing some of this, but what does this have to do with peace again, right? Like, are we talking about peace today? And there's so much that this has to do with peace, family of God. First of all, so that we're on the same page, Stephanie actually mentioned it in the intro, but I wanna re-remind uh, us what that word peace means. In the Old Testament, the word for peace is the word shalom. And what that means is a state of wholeness or a state of completion. There's a completeness. And so peace biblically is not just the absence of something like pain or conflict. It's actually the presence 
presence of something much better. In fact, the word shalom, what it does is it carries this idea that there are all of these complex pieces and all of these complex ideas. And what shalom is, is when all of those pieces are lined up and when they are all together, when they line up, they make perfection. And what happens at that moment is you have peace. And what we see here is all of these complex things that are being lined up to begin to establish and initiate Christ's rule and reign as the Prince of Peace. You actually see Old Testament prophecy. You see the Old Testament law being completed by the parents. You see the Spirit of God very present, even as Simeon will bring in in a second. You see new revelation and the fulfillment of the promises of old. You see all of these complex laws, these godly men and these godly women, and all of these things are lining up at this very moment to bring us perfection because the Son of God is now on the scene, and where Jesus is on the scene, there is perfect peace, y'all. There is peace eternal. When Jesus shows up, he puts all of our complexity and all of our suffering and all of our victory and all of our joy and all of our uh, anticipation and he lines it all up and he can give us peace. If you come to Jesus, there can be peace in your soul, family. Shalom in your soul. If you want peace, you're hearing about him right now because peace is not an idea. Peace is a person and his name is Jesus. And this man can bring us peace. Jesus came that you might have shalom and a true completion in your heart. The hole in your heart that you feel might be filled and you might have peace in your souls, family. Everything complex and broken is being mosaiced back together in the Son of God and Jesus. I mean, think about even the peace that Simeon must have felt here in this moment, right? Like this old man that's holding this young child, realizing that salvation has come at, at this very moment as he's holding him, he can now die. What does the text say? In peace is what it says. Luke isn't just writing this. The prophet is prophesying here that everyone who trusts in Jesus, everyone who beholds him, everyone who beholds the Son of God can have confidence just like Simeon that you too would depart in peace. Because if you believe in Jesus, then you have peace, not just now, but peace eternal. And so the same thing that is true of Simeon as he holds Christ is also true of us. If we hold Christ, we can have peace both in this life and we even in death, we do not have to fear it for we know where we are going when we die. In fact, the Spirit actually revealed this to him, which you see Luke then also highlight three times in three consecutive verses, really contrasting the law there. And so Jesus, he fulfills an old work is what we see in the first three verses, and he's also initiating a new work, an even greater work, something that we wouldn't have even been able to imagine as the Spirit of God is now being revealed. And so you have the law and the Spirit interacting to reveal to us how Jesus is coming to complete all things. Jesus has fulfilled every single law, and Jesus has given us the Spirit of God by which we may now walk out in the laws of God. And Jesus is salvation, as Simeon said at this moment. He is revelation and glory are the things that Simeon says about this one-month-old child, Jesus, who has come. And if we hold the Son, we can know for certain that one day the Son will also hold us. 
And that's what Simeon knew and believed. And no matter what type of hell earth throws at us, we can know that heaven is before us because heaven came down and died on our behalf. This is what peace is. Peace has come. Family of God, peace is here today, right now. In whatever circumstance life is throwing at us, we can have peace because peace transcends our circumstances. Now look, Simeon's life was not without suffering, right? Like he waited apparently for a really long time is what Luke is trying to highlight to us in uh, revealing to us his age. And this is true of old Simeon where his life is not in perfection. It's also true for young Mary and it's true for old Anna as well as we'll read in the next section. And so peace doesn't mean peachy, okay? Like, you hearing me there? Like, it does not mean everything is just, oh, we're all great now. Let's dance through the flower fields, okay? That's not what's going on in this section. So let's finish our text real quick. Luke chapter two, we'll pick it back up in verse 33, and I'm gonna have my brother Renji read that for us. Hey, everyone. My name is Renji. Uh, I'm a covenant member here at The Well, and my wife and I lead the Agave CG on the east side of Austin. Um, I'm also part of the welcome team, but today I'll be reading... Luke 2, verses 33 through 40. His father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then was a widow until she was 84. She did not part from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. This is the word of the Lord. Hey, awesome. Thank you, brother. Um, hey, once again, Anna, she has lived a life of hardship up to this point, okay? A widow almost her entire life that would have been nearly impossible to survive back in biblical times in that setting, which is probably why she's in the temple all of her life. It's the only place that's actually providing for her. And yet here she is, a godly woman that is trusting God with prayer and with fasting, which, gosh, just a quick side note here, okay? Most of the godliest people that I know are actually older, godly, single women, okay? And in fact, I was prayed into ministry by a granny whose husband left her, and yet for me and my family, she prayed and she fasted. And so really, through me, through her, you're actually receiving the blessing of her faithfulness, right? We need to honor women like this. In fact, I actually really do ask that God would actually give the well more people like this that would actually be praying and fasting and present and discipling up the younger generation and encouraging them. Luke honored her. We need to honor people in that setting. And for whatever reason, God tends to look upon the widow and he loves them even when the world does not. And so here's this godly woman who has been praying and just waiting for the Messiah to come, and her life would have been hard up until this point, and yet at that moment, she sees Jesus and she worships, the text says. All of her past trouble, it fades to 
gray as she beholds the light of life, y'all. All of a sudden, this peace comes into her soul, and maybe all of her suffering was for that very moment that she would end up in the temple when God himself entered into the temple and that he would reveal himself to her. God does not waste suffering, y'all. I want you to hear that if you're a believer in Jesus. If you cling to God, he will redeem it. That is true all throughout scripture. And it may take a long time, but you will see the face of God and tell others about him, just like Anna did here. You will experience peace that this world could not dare offer family. And so we need to cling and look to Jesus and wait for Jesus, just like Anna was doing here. That trouble may come in your life, but one glimpse of Jesus changes everything, y'all. One little fragment of who he is changes everything. And this is actually why we need to remind each other of him often, because he brings peace. In his presence is peace. It's why we anticipate gatherings. It's why we hope in the very new year, very soon after that, we are able to gather together again, that we might be able to remind each other about who Jesus is and point each other's faces to the beauty of Christ. Because as I watch you worshiping God, or when I sit under the word preached, or when I take communion, I'm reminded of him who is my peace. And every little glimpse reminds me that eternity is coming and I can set my hope on that, which is truly foundational, which is Christ, our peace, y'all. And listen, listen, if his divine presence wrapped up in baby form would bring this much joy and this much peace, then imagine what his true presence will bring us one day. Like here is God incarnate in a baby and she is worshiping and Simeon is worshiping and they are both prophesying and they are displaying to everybody as a one month old baby, y'all. And now all of a sudden there's all of this change. Imagine what his true presence will bring at his second coming when we have peace everlasting. We need to anticipate that day just as they anticipated his first coming. You following what I'm saying here in all this though? Yeah, like peace is not the absence of conflict, okay? It is the presence of a person. And so they may have had conflict, but all of a sudden the person of peace comes and it washes it all away. Listen, all of our souls, family, we actually long for this peace. I believe that God has hardwired it into our DNA to long for peace in this way. The problem is, is that a lot of us, we actually don't do a lot of soul work. We don't know how to even look into the soul. We only know how to look into the physical. And so we're actually unsure as to what we really want in life. And so then what happens is we mistake comfort for peace. And we end up chasing comfort, thinking that we're actually seeking peace in those moments. And we actually get comfort at different times, but then internally our souls are not actually satisfied. So what we tend to do is go and seek more and more and more comfort, thinking that comfort is actually what brings us peace. But your soul is trying to tell you that comfort is not the answer, that even in your suffering and in your total uncomfortability, just like in poverty with Mary and Joseph or in anxiously waiting like with Simeon or in widowhood like Anna, all of them are in the midst of some sort of conflict. And yet all of a sudden they all experience this worship and it's as if none of their situation or circumstances matter because peace is not comfort. Peace is beholding Jesus. 
pieces beholding the person, Jesus takes all of the messiness and all of the complexity and all of the scripture and all of the law and all of your anticipations and your questions and your joy and everything and he pieces it together to bring us true peace. Family of God, Jesus is peace. Hallelujah to the Son of God. That it does not depend on circumstances, but it depends on a person who has already given himself fully to us. That if we but behold him, we have peace. We actually see this even in verse 33. I want you to go back and look at that verse again for a moment because it says that they are marveling as to what is happening there. Now listen, this is Mary and Joseph who's marveling. All of this stuff they actually knew and it's already been spoken to them, right? Like they already had the shepherds come. They've already heard Elizabeth's prophecy over them. They had angels come down from heaven and say, you finna have the son of God, right? <laughs> like they had all of this stuff. Listen, she is still a virgin still at this moment because we just saw that she was still a virgin before him because they had not been married yet and they were actually un able to consummate their marriage this close to birth, as you know if you have had a kid. And so they are still holding a miracle at this very moment. Scripture has been spoken over them, and yet they marvel at what is being said. Why? Why do they marvel at this moment? Because when we hear truth about Jesus, when we behold him again, even if it is truth that we have already heard like many Christmases past, we begin to marvel in our souls and our souls experience a foreshadow of what is to come. And we are re-comforted. We are re-encouraged. We are rejoiced. We remember peace and we marvel just like they did at this moment because looking at the person of Jesus he brings peace, y'all. Jesus brings peace. To behold Jesus is to hold peace. This is once again why reminding each other of Jesus is so necessary for our souls because the circumstances would lie to us and say that things aren't okay. And yet in reality, if you are in Christ, it don't matter what earth throw at you, this will be a tiny, 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 tiny moment for the rest of your human history because you will be eternal just like our eternal one is. Now on this side of heaven, listen, we may have messiness. Trouble will in fact come and we can often try to behold Hold Christ and then miss him. And then we re-find him and find a glimpse of peace and then we miss him again. And then a situation begins to tempt us to think that God isn't who he says he is, but then we see him again and it's back and forth, back and forth. We are consistently reminded that we are not yet in eternal shalom. We are not yet there because even in the next story, if you go on and read, Mary and Joseph, they home alone uh, Jesus, right? They like lose him, they don't know where he's at and they're freaking out, okay? They do not have peace at that moment. They're worried. And so peace on this side, it, it comes and it goes. But the more that we learn to behold Jesus, then the more it actually stays, family. And the more we can be comforted. And listen, one day it'll stay forever. One day we will behold him truly. But family of God, I want you to know very clearly in this text that peace came at a cost, okay? Even though all of this is good news for us, 
It did come at a cost. This story is pregnant with the gospel, y'all. It is littered all throughout this text. Like Jesus is presented in the temple is what the text actually says there. And I want you to think about that. How do you have peace with God? Well, peace comes through sacrifice. And we see this very clearly all throughout scripture. And as Mary and Joseph offered turtle doves, there was a striking comment about Mary that there would be something that would actually pierce her soul is what we see there. That, listen, future trouble will come because of the peace that is being bought for you. And ultimately, what we know is that Jesus was the lamb of God that was pierced for our transgressions. And the chastisement that was upon him brought us peace is what Isaiah 53 tells us. They could not offer a lamb because of their poverty. That's true both physically and spiritually, y'all. They were not able to offer to God what was needed to bring peace into their souls. So they could not offer to God that which brings true peace. And so God offered himself to them. And this is the beauty of the gospel, y'all. Mary was suffering to behold Christ, to have peace even here in this context. Her soul was being pierced just as his side would be pierced. 33 years later, Mary literally being there to see that happen at that moment. And so there's a prophecy about what would happen. And this would have stung her own son being crucified on behalf of the sins of the world. Her soul is pierced as his side is pierced. The light of revelation to the Gentiles will be snuffed out as the whole sky goes black for three hours we see at the cross of Christ. The Prince of Peace would be in utter agony so that you and I might have peace eternal. And Mary and Joseph, they followed the law. They offered up these sacrifices to redeem Jesus. And later, Jesus would offer up himself as a sacrifice to redeem Mary and us all. As they are presenting to God at this moment, ultimately God would present himself back to us. Because according to the law, we should not have peace with God, y'all. All of what we just said, that sounds very common. If you grew up in the church or if you're a believer, that is not common language. We should not have the ability to have access to God because things are not right in our eternal states, family of God. Like we reject God often and we work against God and we ignore or do not want a relationship with God. And we go on as if he is not even really existent in the heavens and worthy of our worship. We have no reverence for his beauty or his splendor or his holiness, no fear of his power or all. Things are broken. There is no alone. However, in the Old Testament, God set up this system that would actually bring peace to the Israelites through the law, where when you offered a sacrifice, you can have peace, shalom with God once again. And the idea was, was that you would bring this sacrifice before God and you would lay your hand on that sacrifice. And as you laid your hand on that animal, your sinfulness passed on to that animal and its purity actually passed on to you. It was a representation of a sin transfer that was happening. It sounds violent because it is, y'all. This is the reality. Left to our own sin, we deserve to be severed, cut off from Christ, to be dead and to no longer have peace or joy or love or hope or anything else that Christ offers. We should be cut off from life everlasting. However, everyone knew that animals were not enough because a turtle dove, although pure, was not a human. 
and he could not atone for human sin. And so in steps Jesus, the Prince of Peace, and Prince uh, Peace experienced death at that moment, y'all. And peace was crucified on our behalf. The pure was made unclean so that you and I might live in forever purity, family. Peace was forsaken that we might have peace eternal. Simeon could die in peace because ultimately Jesus faced death for him. The child that he is holding, that he is offering to God would really be offered to God on his behalf 33 years later. And in reality, Mary is not offering her child to God. God is offering his child to us. And in this moment, in the temple, in the holy place of God, we see the beginning of that offering as God is giving us his son, as he is placing himself under the law, willing to be put there that you and I might be delivered and might forever have peace with God. This is not just the story of Christmas. This is not just the story of Easter or the gospel. It is the story of human history, God trying to redeem us back into relationship with him and he has done it through Jesus, y'all. The baby that is being held right here is going to be offered that you and I might become children of God. This is good news, family. This is the gospel. This is what we love, not just about Christmas and Easter, about our faith that God would offer himself to us. I love in verse 39 where it says that Mary and Joseph, they were faithful to the law. It says they did everything that they could to fulfill the law. Listen, Jesus would ultimately do everything they couldn't do to fulfill the law. They did everything in their power, but Jesus would ultimately do everything in his power to deliver us to himself. And so if you are single like Anna, or if you are old like Simeon, or if you are young like Joseph and Mary, or if you are married like they were, or poor like they were, if you're a male or you're a female, God is offering us peace. Behold him, y'all. Cling close to him. If you have never done that before, I want you to know that God wants a relationship with you. And family of God, if you have done that before, he wants a relationship with you. The same gospel that was true when you got saved is still true today. He wants to give you peace. He wants to give you himself. That's what the story is. It is God giving himself to us. And if we believe in him, then we can depart in peace and we can taste it in the momentary and behold it forever in the eternal. I pray that this Christmas will be different because we're not just thinking about the gifts or thinking about when is coronavirus gonna be gone and we can gather again or whatever it is that we're thinking about. I pray that for a moment we would seek to behold Jesus. And that even as we sing this last worship song in a moment that we would try our hardest just to get a tiny glimpse of who he is and that in that glimpse, we would actually get peace. Let us realize that he is actually the one that is being offered for us here, y'all. They were not offering him to God. God was offering him to us. And let us believe that. Amen. Amen. Hey, I love you guys. Let's pray. And Jesus... Thank you for being our peace. God, I confess that I so often I look for comfort and I look for uh, just these momentary things to satisfy something in my soul that ultimately only you can satisfy. Jesus, we want peace. Peace with you, peace with each other, peace relationally, peace in our own souls. And so God, I pray peace over all the households that are watching today. 
that God, even if there's family conflict and maybe this political season has created some chaos or maybe the sicknesses around us has created chaos or maybe a job loss has created chaos or maybe we're actually doing really well off right now and we could be tempted to forget that that comfort is not actually what our souls long for. God, whatever our situation, I pray peace over us. Would you give us peace and in giving us peace, would we really just behold you? God, in your presence, there is fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You are the Prince of Peace. And so God, I pray whether for the first time we are embracing you truly, we're saying, God, I want a relationship with you. Or whether for the 5,000th time we are embracing you again, I pray that you would stir our hearts' affections for you and that we would behold peace. We love you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for who you are. We praise things in your beautiful and your precious name. Amen.